Hello and welcome to the Post Party Project. My name is Amy Heinrich and I am your host. Join me as we chat all things postpartum, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows. Everything pregnancy and birth is just such an exciting time, but often chats about postpartum experiences get missed or overlooked because everything's about the baby, which we are also totally here for. But I'm here to hear you and hold you, figuratively speaking, and to listen to your experiences experience. Think of this podcast as your safe space to share, vent, cry, laugh, and know that you're not alone. Now let's get into it. Hello, thank you for joining me today and choosing the Post Party Project to have in your ears for this small amount of time. Um, I am so excited to release today's episode. It's actually a bonus episode. Um, Some of you may have already heard it before because I originally uh, had this interview over at the Wild Honey podcast, which is my old podcast. Um, I am going to be deleting everything over there very shortly um, and I will be releasing the episode episodes that are still relevant today um, as bonus episodes over here on the Post Party Project. Um, This chat today I absolutely loved. Um, It is with B from Core and Floor Restore. So um, also you might notice a difference in my interviewing style So I was quite fresh um, with this one with B, and you can really hear it in my voice. I am super excited. I hardly even take a breath. Um, So I hope I don't stress anyone out too much with that that's going on at the start. I think I calmed down in the middle, but yeah, you know, (laughs) we all start somewhere. So it is what it is. The content of the chat is really great though. So if you can look past um, my weird flusteredness, <laughs> then um, yeah, there's some great information in there from B. So in this episode, we chat all things pelvic health. Uh, we talk about pelvic floor exercises in pregnancy. Um, so this episode was also recorded in about January 2021, I think it was. So B actually has a fresh, I think, five-week-old um, little bub. So it's amazing that she even has the energy to come on and chat. Um, and I'm also pregnant in this one with Ivy. So yeah, we do focus a little bit on pregnancy. Um, we speak about what you can do in pregnancy to help with your pelvic floor. We speak about diastasis recti, what is it and what we can do to avoid damage. We talk about Kegels. Uh, We talk about prolapse that 50% of women will experience prolapse, which is just crazy. Um, And there are some things that we need to look out for, which B goes into detail. Um, There's just so much good stuff in this episode. Even if you've listened to it before, definitely listen again because I got so much out of it when I re-listened. Yeah, and let me know what you think. Uh, Don't forget to leave a review. And yeah, if you have any questions or any, if you want to chat with me, um, send me a message over on Instagram. Thanks guys. Now into the chat. 
Hey B, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to have you on. So I have recently discovered you and I've heard you on a few different podcasts. So I heard you on the Australian Birth Stories podcast and the whole time you were talking about pelvic health and pelvic floor through that, I literally had butterflies in my stomach because I want to know so much more about it. And then I ended up finding you on Beyond the Bumps podcast as well. And I went back and then I was like, oh my God, I wonder if she'll come on mine. So I'm so thankful that you've agreed. And now we can dive into so many topics that I'm so excited to know more about as well. <laughs> well thanks so much for having me Amy it's pretty um yeah it's been incredible to have so many podcast opportunities it's been lovely so thanks for having me. <laughs> and it's so great because you only just gave birth recently as well right a few weeks ago? Yeah five weeks ago. Yeah how are you going? It's already five weeks old I'm I'm going good I just recovered from mastitis uh for the second time um but didn't need antibiotics so I got onto it really quickly and just had both times a crappy night of fever and sweats and a really sore boob and got on the probiotics and did some nice um stretching and gentle shaking of the boob and fed 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 and got got over it quickly but it's the cruelest thing ever um for a postnatal actually I've always said mastitis is the cruelest thing ever to do to a postnatal person but I now say anal fissures are that's where you have a tear in your anus and you can't um poo without your bum tearing open and I actually think that's the cruelest thing oh my god so has that recently happened for you Mm. oh after your second birth yeah so I had it after banjos um and I didn't really know much about it when it happened and I remember sitting on the toilet being like this this pain is far worse than what I experienced in childbirth. Like what the hell is going on? Like I felt like I was giving birth all over again, but it was to a poo and it was so much more painful than my birth had been. Yeah. And then it was fine. It kind of cleared up. Um, And then this time there was like two really horrendous, like 45 minutes on the toilet, almost vomited from the pain, sweating profusely, like baby out there screaming, husband having to deal with it. Like, and you speak to anyone that has this and they seem to have the same stories. Like some poor woman messaged me the other day because I've been sharing a lot about it on social media and I've been inundated with messages, which, and most people have never even spoken about it to anyone else before because it is something that you really just suffer in silence with and you're too, a lot of people are too embarrassed to talk about it. Um, even to their partners and it's it's a really hard thing to explain because you often don't know what's actually happening so what it is your it's a it's a tear in the lining of the anus and it is caused by constipation and hard stools um, and it's really really common in the first year of life so like eight out of ten babies will have it because they constantly poo and they they've got diarrhea and I just think oh our poor little bubbers have to have that um, and you might even see it when you're wiping babies bottoms um but pregnancy and childbirth obviously because constipation is so high and then trauma in childbirth can obviously leave that area a little bit more stretched um but yeah so it's a tear in the lining and so every time you poo that tear can reopen and it literally feels like you're pooing glass oh my um, god that's that, yeah that feels- great sorry is that straight after childbirth or can it happen can you notice it a while after or when did you notice it so it happened for me in around weeks three and four post-birth um, and some pe- for some people the last months and lots of people that have done my core floor had contacted me and said how it helped so much with their anal fissures and pooing is a big part of my program for that reason. Um, and so 
that had been really reassuring to me. And then I had, I've had a lot of people message and just say how they've experienced it. Some experienced just one, you know, experience it for a week or so. Others have had it for months. And then, you know, they say half of all cases will heal on their own with good self-care and prevention of constipation and, um, you know, hard stools. So using like a stool softener or really, really having a good diet so that you aren't passing hard stools. Um, but some people will require surgery. So I have had a couple of people message that have had surgery. Um, good. But it's like anything, um, surgery is not the be all and end or, and there are a lot of things you can do yourself to heal. Same with diastasis, same with pelvic floor dysfunction. You know, people are always like, um, oh, I need surgery, I need surgery. And um, there is a lot you can actually do to heal yourself. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so anal fishes. Oh <laughs> pretty horrific. So interesting. Like I honestly didn't know much at all about pelvic floor pelvic floor health until recently and it was kind of until when I first got pregnant that was all everyone would say to me even my first midwife appointment was like I hope you're doing your kegels and I was like how I don't even know what this is how do I do it I'd love to know a little bit more about you and your story with core and floor restore and then we can get into all the kegels and everything else that we want to know about pelvic floor if that's okay <laughs> I love that in my I before I even do an introduction I tell the whole world about my anal patients <laughs> Yeah, not more Very people need to me. talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Sorry how did about you... my name. Yeah. This is what my anus is doing. <laughs> yes. So how did you start Core and Floor cool. Restore? <laughs> so um, I had a horrendous pregnant first pregnancy and I've had incontinence since I was 19. So I was um, very, very nauseous and spent a lot of my pregnancy vomiting, which subsequently led to me wean myself the whole time um and that you know is a huge story in itself and um there was a lot of doubt I had a lot of doubt about how I would birth and my capability to birth given that I couldn't even sneeze without wetting myself and then I had an epic first birth had an amazing home birth which you've heard all about because you heard the podcast um and so that gave me the confidence to really realized that I could heal and so I did a lot of research and looked at what a lot of other people were doing um, in that space because there isn't a huge amount of scientific research on it despite how common it is it's not normal but it's common um, and so I delved into it and I basically became my own guinea pig for my own benefit I never ever planned on starting Quorum Floor Restore it was purely just for me um, and then when I started getting back into fitness, I realized that the majority of fitness, even those that are targeted at postpartum, aren't suitable. Um, they're not suitable for women or postpartum people with prolapse, pelvic floor dysfunction, diastasis recti, and the majority of us have these. So one in two women will experience prolapse post-birth, uh, one in three incontinence, wean incontinence, urine incontinence, one in five fecal, so um, poo incontinence. Um, and so the majority of us have issues and we need to heal. And if we don't have issues the first time, we often don't do anything about healing, even if there's no issues that we should should still be spending time healing so if you come away from your first birth and you're like oh I'm not leaking urine I'll be fine but you go straight back into things that you love doing like high intensity impact um, sport 
then you go into subsequent pregnancies and that's when you, people often find issues. So I realised that, you know, a lot of what was out there in the fitness world wasn't ideal. And so I decided for my community where I was living to become a personal trainer and run fitness classes. And then I was trying to, in these just normal group fitness classes teach all these core and floor techniques and you know I would bring it up which was amazing because the more you bring it up the more safe a space you create and the more people feel comfortable to share their story and what I realize is when you get a whole bunch of women together and you give them that safety or you give them that opportunity they will share Um, so it's not that we're suffering in silence because we want to I think we just don't get that opportunity to share often because it's not something you really discuss at a fitness class where you don't know anyone oh yeah that's me I'm making urine can you tell me how to do this differently so I don't wheel poo myself like that's not something that gets brought up in the five minute does anyone have any injuries at the start of a class (laughs) um meanwhile yeah you do have injuries your core is separated and your pelvic floor is weak or tight or your vagina sitting in your undies and that doesn't get brought up and so um became a personal trainer, ran, was running these classes, but it's really hard to teach correct core and pelvic floor activation in a normal class. It needs its own workshop really. And it takes a lot of practice and it takes a lot of connection too. Like you've really got to think about it. It, you know, I often say to people, core and floor restore, my foundations program is you'll work your brain more than you work your body when you start it. So um, I decided to develop Core and Floor Restore as a as a fitness class that or a program that people could come to in my area, and it just took off like wildfire, which just basically proved the need in the community where I live. Um, and more and more people did it, and I would book out every term, so I ran them as like a ten week program. And then, um, cause terms, you know, school terms going ten weeks, and my husband's a teacher, so that's how I think now too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. Um, Then a couple of friends were like, this is crazy. Every woman needs to know this. And I wish I knew this preconceptionally. That's what the biggest feedback was coming. I wish I knew this before I had my first pregnancy. So I could have gone into my first pregnancy with this knowledge. And, um, you know, I'd be so much better off now as a 38-year-old with three kids had I have known this. And so a couple of people really pushed me to go online with it. And an amazing friend, um, was like you need to do it pro from the start so it looks awesome and it's there and it's great and I had no intention of really you know doing it as a business or anything like that but I was happy to share the information um and now we're pretty much a year it's been a year since all the programs have been completed and out and we've had we've got over 2,000 people doing it now so yeah it went it's gone quick (laughs) it's amazing Um, yeah and, and it's it's not just exercise, it's it's theory as well. It's getting people to understand their bodies and um, know what's actually happening so that they can exercise and move because it's not just about exercise, it's about how you move throughout the day, especially as a pregnant and postpartum person. 
it, it's it's that knowledge that's really important. And I'm sorry if I don't make sense today, but I am five weeks postpartum, so my <laughs> baby brain and my sleep deprivation does not allow me to make sense all the time. <laughs> no, that's okay. I have the worst baby brain myself. And I thought about four questions to ask you just then as you were talking. I was like, great, I'll finish. I'll get to that in a minute. And I've as now that we've finished, I'm like, okay, what were those four questions I was going to ask you again? <laughs> but um, I I was going to say that yeah, I was doing Pilates for a couple of years before I fell pregnant and obviously like I did Pilates because it's so great for your core and everything but listening to you talk on other podcasts I it really was brought to my attention that I don't actually know if I'm even using my core muscles correctly or how like what what they even are or how to activate them and then I was starting to think maybe I've got a strong pelvic floor like do I have a weak one do I have a strong one and I just had so many yeah. questions and I'm sure that that's what you found that so many women come to you with as well yeah and you know you do go to a Pilates class and someone says you activate your core like you've been told to activate your core since you started exercising but has anyone ever taught you how to activate your core people say suck your belly button into your spine but that's not correct core activation because and it's not correct with your breath either and so yeah it, it does start getting you know people do start to question what's happening which is great but then you also don't want to overthink it and you don't want to not enjoy things anymore either because you can like I it depends on your personality but I do get emails from people being like and what about this and what about that and it's like don't not enjoy what you're doing and don't try to you know don't overthink it too much as long as you're not doing damage and as long as you're not you know, exercise should leave you for the better, not for the worse. So if you come away from something with a sore back, which most people do from core exercises because they're not doing them properly or a sore neck, then that's, you're not doing it right. So look into that and try and do it better, but try not to overthink it too. But most people contact me who finish core and floor restore saying that their Pilates or their yoga is so much more improved now because they know what they're doing and they're able to progress with exercises because they're now doing it right. And that that's a huge key of core and floor. I want you to come to me and do my program and be able to get back to what you're get back to what you love doing even stronger than before that's the whole key to it mm-hmm. or the whole goal of it I should say and coming into pregnancy as well because like I was saying before that's kind of one of the main things everyone says to you and you were saying that you suffered from incontinence from being not well, since you were 19 how did you feel then when you first found out you were pregnant was that a nerve-wracking thing going into that first birth uh I was I preconceptionally I knew it would be an issue in pregnancy because I was a midwife and I was that midwife telling everybody else to do their kegels so I knew it was going to be an issue I didn't anticipate to be as sick as I was so I didn't think that that I didn't realize how incontinent I was going to be um and then yeah leading up to the birth I really questioned my ability mainly because the pelvic floor is really key in three things in birth baby's position so it helps to create a rebound to enable baby to tuck its chin into its chest and um, get into a really good position for birth and so lots of people will say that they struggled with baby's head being to the side and things like that with birth and they needed to have a caesar or um, birth was longer because of it and the pelvic floor is something that actually can help prevent that because it helps baby to get into an ideal position the other thing that research has shown with pelvic floor exercises in pregnancy is that it can decrease tearing and um, decrease pushing time and I was intact for both of my births and I my babies basically fell out um, so the things I was worried about 
didn't actually happen either. So yes, research can is great for telling us things, but it's not the be all and end all either. So if you do have issues, people get really can get really um, worked up and concerned that those things are going to happen to them. And sometimes it's just easy to do as best as you can and then go with the flow for the rest of it. Mm. Yeah. So are there things that you could be doing throughout your pregnancy as well um, to prepare for birth? Yeah, my core and floor program. <laughs> Which is I've just signed up for. <laughs> subtle. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I actually have it open in my background here. I was like, I did the um the intro. Oh God, where have you gone? I opened a different tab. Um, yeah, I just I did your intro, the welcome thing the other day. And then now I'm like, okay, what is my next stage? I'm up to the foundations. I'm like, hopefully baby yeah. doesn't come too early because I need to get through this whole program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um look. In terms of pelvic floor, it's about learning in pregnancy, you, you should be exercising your pelvic floor and you should know how to protect your core during pregnancy um, so that you decrease your risk of experiencing diastasis recti post-birth, which is the abdominal muscles separating. So abdominal, I take that back. Your abdominal muscles will separate in pregnancy. That's natural. It's meant to be, it's meant to occur. So don't freak out about that if you are pregnant. It's it's a totally normal function of the body to enable your baby in your uterus to grow. Otherwise, you wouldn't be able to get that beautiful um, pregnant bump. But diastasis recti is where the linear alba, which is the connective tissue that holds all the muscles together, yeah, because muscle doesn't ever stick to another muscle or straight to a bone. It sticks to a tendon or a ligament. And so um, that's the connective tissue and it holds everything together. Diastasis recti is when that connective tissue has become compromised and is now really thin. So I like to think of it like Blu-Tac. Um, it's pre-pregnancy, it's or prior to your first pregnancy, it's like a brand new piece of um, Blu-Tac that has been taken out of the packet. During pregnancy, it's like that piece of blue tack has been stretched and the more it's stretched, the weaker it becomes. Um, and then post-birth, it typically, for some people, it will go back um, and there's no damage to it. But if you have done exercises, and I find that people who have exercised their whole pregnancy without correct core activation are often the people who have the worst, or I shouldn't say the worst, the um, quite severe diastasis recti. It's because they've put pressure on that connective tissue the whole time, which has added more strain. And so post-birth, there's been damage to it, or we find that there's damage to the connective tissue. Mm -hmm. And so people who are not pregnant still experience diastasis recti. So I have male clients um, and they have it, and it's through incorrect exercise. And most of them are really fit guys who you know surf swim run um and they've just been crunching their whole life wrong basically and there is you know people think about core exercises as abdominal crunches and planks there's a lot you can do to activate your core and there's a lot more functional core exercises that help us to be stronger for everyday movements than just planks and crunches but that's typically what people know what to do because that's what you do in fitness classes and so then what would your thoughts be on kegels is that's one of the first things that midwives and kind of all your friends and stuff say to you especially if you're doing them wrong is it worth doing them at all or what are your thoughts so it depends on what your definition of a kegel is because i often say um you know pelvic floor health is not just about kegels because a what is a kegel to you like what is it for you uh, well, do? from what people have explained to me, is everyone always says when you stop it at the traffic lights, you just hold it in like as if you're holding in a wee for I, someone said hold in for 10 seconds and then hold out for 10 seconds or like release for 10 seconds and then hold in again. Yeah. 
So yeah, I was doing that for a bit and then it came to me that perhaps I could have a strong pelvic floor and then I started freaking out that maybe I would be too strong (laughs) when my baby was to come out. And so that's how I became so interested in pelvic health because I'm like, I need to know more about this. Yeah. And so you've identified so many issues there in in one tiny little story and that's because (laughs) everyone's definition of Kegels is different and where they do them and how they do them is different. So first of all, we shouldn't be doing them, doing them at traffic lights. And I apologize to anyone I've ever told that before, because as a midwife, that's what I would tell people. Yeah. When you stop at traffic lights, but you're not in an optimal position to be able to activate those muscles when you're sitting like that. We want to, we're the strongest when we're in a neutral pelvis and you don't um, sit with a neutral pelvis when you're driving. So that's the first thing. Second thing, you mentioned releasing, which is great, but lots of people when they think Kegels will just squeeze. So right now I can guarantee that the people that have been listening have been squeezing their pelvic floor since we started um, and they probably haven't been releasing. Everyone's like, damn it, I've just done it wrong. <laughs> yeah. um, but for pelvic floor health, the contraction is just as important as the release. So we don't want a strong pelvic floor, much like, you know, the, all the memes out there talk about have your pelvic floor as strong as your coffee. I hate that meme because it's not about strength. It's about balance. And it's actually about balance with all our skeletal muscles. Um, because when muscles are weak, we have issues. And when they're tight, we have issues. So the contraction is just as important as the release. And most people don't release right. Um, and the other thing is that it's not just one muscle. The pelvic floor is made up of muscles, fascia and fibrous tissue. And so when you're just squeezing around your urethra, which is where the wee comes out, you're not exercising the whole muscle. So some people will be told to do around there, um, you know, squeeze like when your wee comes out and then squeeze like you're trying to hold in a fart but you're not connecting to the whole muscle. The pelvic floor spans from pubic bone to coccyx, but also the sides as well. So it literally is the floor of your pelvis. Um, And so it's about connecting to all of it. It's about contracting all of it and releasing all of it. And you can actually have tightness in some parts of the muscle and weakness in other parts. So right now around my tailbone and coccyx is really tight and I've had tailbone pain my whole pregnancy and it's now just starting to ease up. But that's, um, and that comes from me constantly squeezing my glutes. I did that postpartum and I did that in pregnancy and favoring one side. So it's really common for us to favor a side and um, especially in the postnatal period where we spend a lot of time standing and holding babies, we'll lean to one side. And so there might be tightness on one side and weakness on another. On, an, on another and you know this is where too much information can sometimes be annoying and you start overthinking it like you have and then people do nothing at all um it's just about persevering with exercise learning about your body more working through those exercises um, and strengthening other areas too so when you're doing your your pelvic floor is a part of the core so working your core and pelvic floor is essential to do both, not just doing your Kegels randomly. You need to have a, a, a balanced core to support it. And then the muscles around too. So if your glutes and hips are really tight, that's not ideal for birth either because you want to be able to create space in that region for baby to come out. Um, and also it creates a lot of pain when you've got tight glutes and hips. Um, and 
and I, it prevents you from connecting to your core and pelvic floor properly. So it's about constantly working on strengthening and lengthening all our muscles that support our torso. So pelvic floor, core, glutes, hips. Um, so glutes are your bum muscles for those that don't know. And getting better at doing both of that. And it comes with practice rather than overthinking. So if you're just squeezing away, is it better than doing nothing? It's that's a hard one. You know, it's you're better to do something correctly, yes. Um, because you don't want to do something incorrectly and lead to injury. Um, but that's you know, you could do that with any type of exercise. Like if you're doing you know crunches wrong then no you shouldn't be doing them because it is going to lead to injury so yeah learn yeah. how to do your pelvic floor and core properly and so having a nice balance with all of that will mean that baby can come out nicely right and then <laughs> <laughs> and if then it's that easy <laughs> <laughs> it's how, <laughs> how i'm imagining it in my head when i give birth and then you need to start doing my program <laughs> yeah. and, and then so is recovery a, is going to be a little bit better if you practice that throughout pregnancy? That's the idea, yeah. And that's what research is as well, yeah, because you're supporting yourself through a really vulnerable time for the body. Pregnancy is a really vulnerable time um, because everything is stretched and so everything is expected. And this is where the six-week rule really annoys me because it almost gives this false promise that everything goes back to normal by that time and everything's fine and you can start exercising as normal and you don't have to do anything. It all just magically happens and that's so wrong. Mm. Research has shown that it takes around six months um, and that's um, when no injury has occurred. So healing postpartum is a huge effort um but a lot of the issues we can't see and we don't often know about um especially prolapse so many people experience it but they don't know what it is and so they just kind of keep tugging on and then all of a sudden someone will say something or they'll realize that what they're experiencing isn't normal so a lot of people postpartum go oh well i've had a baby this is just normal this is what my body's meant to do now um so i'll just do nothing about it and that's not the case and that's i get that with incontinence a lot oh i've had a baby so it's normal mm. no it's not normal you've I've heard got that so you've much as well yeah about yeah, urination after everyone's healthy. like yeah this that's just what happens after you've given birth and that is terrifying like to think that okay then we all just have to go and wet ourselves now and just be okay with it like i love that you, yeah. you say it's not normal <laughs> it's not and i don't i just don't you know i know um yeah, I just don't know why why that thought has come out in our society. I guess because, you know, for women, you had babies and you just kept, you know, throughout history, women have just had to keep raising children and a lot of women, have, you know, women were having seven to ten children. That was a normal thing. And I hate to think what their bodies are like. Like I, I even think about women in low-income countries who have ba- have so many babies and have to keep, you know, getting the water that's kilometres away and carrying it on their heads whilst carrying a baby. Like because when you've got a prolapse and you carry a baby, it's a lot harder for your prolapse to heal because you're adding extra weight on. Um I think about women in countries like that who have no access to support or help or knowledge um, and 
they must be in a lot of pain and they must suffer a lot because I know how much women suffer and they and when there when there is information and support around and I know you know especially in countries like America where it's so expensive to access healthcare I get emails a lot from American from people in America saying I can't afford to see a PT uh, which like what they call physiotherapists um and so they ask me questions which is heartbreaking as well so with the prolapse you mentioned that that happens is it 50 percent of women will experience that at some point yeah that's what the stats say if you just 50 percent post-birth so what would you what would be some signs that that could be happening is it quite obvious or what do you feel Typically, it's a dragging feeling of heaviness in the in around your vagina. Typically, mm-hmm. so um, if you think of the pelvic floor as a hammock, um, there's different types of prolapse. So there's prolapse where the front of the vaginal wall um, folds in, and so the bladder is prolapsed down towards the introitus, which is the entry to the vagina, um, and then there's prolapse where the vagina is coming down so basically the pelvic floor is weak and it's not holding things up where they should be and so they start to move down towards the vaginal opening and then there's one with the rectum as well so that folds in towards the um, introitus and so typically people feel that 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 how everything shifted downwards as a dragging or heaviness or bulgy feeling and there's different degrees of it and so the more severe it is the heavier and it will feel that's typically the most common symptom the other symptoms are issues with wean pooing and sex so obviously the three things that the bladder vagina and um, rectum are used for so i get messages from people that have to stick their fingers inside their vagina to be able to poo so they have to push their rectum back to be able to get the poo out of their anus so if you can kind of visualize that um and then with weeing so they sit on the toilet to wee and um they have to move themselves forwards or backwards to be able to get the rest of the wee out so i was going to ask as well with the pelvic floor holding everything in i have heard some women say that they don't need to worry about it as much if they've had a c-section what are your thoughts on that? It's a really common misbelief um, that I hear over and over again. I've had a cesarean, so my pelvic floor is fine. Um, that's not actually the case. There are multiple things that affect your pelvic floor throughout your life, not just in pregnancy and childbirth. Um, and yes, birth is one of those. Um, but pregnancy for most people can do more damage than um, the birth itself. So in terms of birth, having a forceps birth so where an instrumental birth where they guide baby out so forceps only not vacuum um and that's because with forceps um they go around the baby's head rather than on top of the baby's head and so they um they need more space um so and they're you know pushed in and then they hold baby's head to to guide baby out and so um they really stretch the pelvic floor more than um, the pelvic floor is required to during birth um, and then episiotomy over tearing um, so episiotomy is where they cut you and then a really long pushing stage so typically for first um, for a person birthing their first baby two hours is considered the most amount of time 
you should push for and one hour for a person having a second or subsequent baby. So if you've pushed for longer than that, research has shown that that can do significant damage to the pelvic floor. Um, so in terms of birth, yes, if you've had... Um, you know, that type of birth over cesarean, then um, you are at an increased risk of pelvic floor dysfunction. But pregnancy, you are, um, for most people, will cause more damage because your pelvic floor is literally holding everything up. So it's holding your baby, your uterus, the amniotic fluid, the placenta for 37 to 42 weeks or however long you're pregnant for. Mm. Um, and that is a lot of extra weight on that muscle that, um, and a lot of extra strain on that muscle. So yeah, pregnancy does, um, do a lot of damage, but if you've had a cesarean section, you're not in the clear because of that. Well, I didn't say that properly. <laughs> what I meant to say was, you're not, yeah, you're not, um, it's not, you're not free from risk if you've mm. had a cesarean birth. Yeah. So pregnancy still- will do more damage. Yes. So you could still experience quite a lot of those same things that you would from a vaginal birth to a cesarean birth afterwards, postpartum? In terms of pelvic floor health, yes. So you can still, you are still at risk of prolapse. You are still at risk of um, fecal and urinary incontinence. If you've had a physically traumatic birth um, in terms of forceps or episiotomy, so there's been physical trauma there, or you've experienced a third or fourth degree tear, or you've pushed for a really long time, you are going to be at increased risk of those issues, but you're not free from them. You're not, you know, ex, um, excused or not free of risk if you've had a cesarean birth because pregnancy could have um, created issues too. Other things that create issues are things like um, co- uh, constipation. So that's where mine came from. I had a childhood filled with constipation. Um, incorrect exercise, um, not exercising, so not keeping those muscles, especially the supporting muscles strong, especially during pregnancy to help your body with um, the changes that it's going through. Um, and then things like chronic coughs um, and allergies, so constant sneezing and coughing and anything that puts pressure on the pelvic floor and then obesity, being overweight and obese, because, again, you've put more pressure on that muscle. Mm-hmm. So after birth as well, is it best to see a women's health physio or whatever to get back into exercise or are there certain um, exercises you can do sooner after birth than others? Is everyone different? So I often get asked if I can wait that six weeks, um, that magical six-week mark that people keep talking about and before I exercise and my answer is you don't have to wait that long it's not about when you start it's about what you do and how you do it so from the moment your baby is born you start exercising you're picking up a weight that weight is gorgeous and it smells delicious but it's still heavy and it gets heavier and heavier and heavier and you carry it around with you for most of the day um, if you are a, a parent of a normal child because normal children require being held <laughs> unless you've got a super magical one that just wants to lay down and not be um, you know, So from the moment you give birth, you get up to have a shower, you pick that baby up to feed it, you put it back down. And the majority of the movements we do are not functional because of all these creature comforts we have, like beds and couches and chairs and tables. Our bodies weren't designed to move 
for those things. And so those things often make us weak and then we add weights to that. So we add this beautiful snuggly weight to get off the couch, to get out of bed, to, you know, we put it in the bassinet or the cot and, you know, the cot itself has so much, um, does so much damage to our backs. And then we constantly get this weight and we move it away from our body. And so every time you move away, away from your body, it puts more pressure on the core. So every time you put your baby into the pram or into the car seat or into the cot, your, um, your core is required to do that. And then if you can't activate your core properly, then you're doing damage to it. And so I think a lot of damage we see postpartum may not happen in pregnancy or birth. It happens in the postpartum period. So the body is weakened from pregnancy and birth when it's being stretched and used. And then we haven't healed. And then we exercise and move incorrectly on top of it. And then we, then we create the issues. And so people will say, I didn't have a prolapse after birth, but then I got one when I was six months postpartum. Um, and that's because there may not have been enough damage there for you to feel symptomatic and that's the other thing you can have a prolapse without um feeling symptoms um but and then feel the symptoms later on um as it become as the prolapse becomes worse um and people with incontinence will say that oh, i only used to leak a little bit when i sneeze just you know 10 times in a row and now it happens all the time so my biggest thing to people post-birth is learn first how to breathe correctly and how to activate the core and pelvic floor right and start with that so I'm five weeks postpartum and all I've been doing is core and pelvic floor activation um, and gentle glutes and core work and that's it all laying down exercises all very gentle not much of them um and people are like how are you bouncing back so quick what have you been doing you've been going for runs and stuff like that it's like no actually i've simply been activating my core i did it all throughout pregnancy so i stayed active in pregnancy and i've continued with it postpartum and it's been really gentle and i've been moving functionally so every time i get off the couch i do a, that's a squat i'm standing up from a squat i'm not hinging myself forward with my back so yes you can start exercising straight away if it's gentle ex healing exercises that are going to help you i'm not going to go for a run and i would love to go for a run i can tell you that right now but i won't be for months until i've healed properly and it does it takes months of really slow boring repetitive exercises um you know and for people like for me prior to pregnancy I was a marathon runner and I loved high intensity workouts so core and floor is the complete opposite to what I ever enjoyed in terms of exercise but I appreciate my body a whole of a lot more now and I understand what it's gone through and I also understand what it needs and that's key um, and that's key to healing and strengthening because you can't progress with exercises unless you've got that basic foundation um, because you will run into injury. So, yeah, I could probably go for a run tomorrow, but I'll spend the next 12 months trying to recover from it, mm. whereas I could spend three to six months recovering and I'll be running a lot quicker um, and continually run, being able to run because I would have built the foundations necessary for that exercise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people get straight back in. I live in country Victoria, which is really popular with netball. And so you see people in the netball courts four weeks postpartum, but they can't even squat properly because they haven't got that glute strength to support them. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not about waiting six weeks. It's um, about choosing gentle healing exercises, things that, you know, a physio would give you. Um, and, yes, if you want... 
individual um, personalized care seen a physiotherapist that's specialized in women's health is ideal because everyone's recovery is different and is individualized uh, or should be individualized because we're all going to have different issues you know you're everyone's going to walk into a physios with um for, for different reasons so yours might be urinary incontinence mine might be fecal or diastasis recti or back pain or neck pain it could be all different things like that mm-hmm. And that's why we all need to do your course. So we know how to hang up the washing correctly, how to get off the couch correctly, because all these things I'm like, if that's going to be my exercise for six weeks, like I'm still down with that. I'd like to be doing something and doing it correctly than doing nothing. That's your exercise for 12 months, babe. <laughs> 12 months, okay. <laughs> that's postpartum. Yes. And that's the thing, you know, there's no point doing 10 minutes of really good exercise yeah. if you're spending the next 12 <laughs> hours of your day moving incorrectly. And my nearly four-year-old son totally agrees yes he agrees (laughs) so yeah I have a few questions from some of my followers on Instagram this one I had to actually google the second part of the question I didn't even know this was a thing but uh the question is postpartum tightness is this a pelvic floor thing it feels like I've been giving a given a husband stitch and I had to google what husband stitch was and then I was mortified Yeah. yeah Husband stitch is something that's absolutely disgusting and um, it I haven't seen it happen ever in the however many, 14 years or whatever I've been a midwife, but it does um, still happen and it's abuse really. So for those that don't know, um, when people say, oh, can you just put an extra stitch in when you're stitching um the perineum post-birth that's a husband stitch and so the idea behind it is that you make the entry to the vagina smaller so that it's more pleasurable for the partner during sexual intercourse um definitely happened a lot more uh starting to happen a lot less as i said i haven't seen it but i do hear about it happening and it's um it's abuse really Mm. um it and it doesn't make sense to me because if you are healing a tear or a cut, then you're just stitching up the injury that has occurred. Hmm. It, if you're doing a husband, what is called a husband stitch, which isn't a nice name for it either, you're doing um, extra. And so you're actually tying things together that aren't meant to be together. Hmm, um, yeah. So tightness is definitely a thing is that that was the question is postpartum tightness is this a pelvic floor thing yeah so sometimes it can be um from other muscles being tight like she might feel really tight because her glutes are turned on too much and so she's she's activating them a lot um but typically it's pelvic floor so pelvic floor tightness is um quite a common issue it's seems to be something that people are gaining more information on now typically it comes with tailbone pain um, from sitting to standing so as you stand up you get this tailbone pain or when you're laying on your back a lot of people experience pain during intercourse because it is tight Um, and so obviously through penetration um, there becomes pain Um, so pain with penetration Um, and pain with sex post-birth I will just briefly mention is really common especially if you're breastfeeding um, and that's due to hormones and so we're really dry in our vaginas post-birth especially if you're breastfeeding and so using lube and a lot of it is um, really key to actually 
being able to have sex that isn't painful post-birth. Um, and then pelvic floor health is key to be able to in, enjoying sex and orgasm um, is, um, yeah, really important. Your pelvic floor health has a lot to do with orgasms post-birth. But, yes, probably um, it is due to tightness of the pelvic floor for her. So then how could you release a tight pelvic floor, which is also the next question? Yes, if you think about the pelvic floor as a muscle, how would you release a tight muscle normally? Mm, So people relax. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So through massage and stretching, lengthening Mm. exercises. So a little bit harder to... Mm. um, to get to because it's inside our pelvis um, and so it's tucked away so it is um, quite challenging to lengthen the pelvic floor so we do that through a number of different ways Um, breathing is a huge um, is a technique that we use that's um, really beneficial Um, and that is because when we breathe breathe correctly our pelvic floor actually naturally lengthens and so learning how to lengthen it through breath is our first step um, you can have um, mass massage done so internal release and so that's through the vagina um, and so the physiotherapist or osteopath or whoever, whoever is trained in this will go inside in through the um, vagina find the muscle and then release it as they would Um, externally with like a tight neck or a tight back it's exactly the same thing so finding the trigger points and I've had this done several times Um, during my pregnancy I had it done because I had a tight pelvic floor and it's incredible um, when my physio would go into the in through the vagina and feel the muscle I could feel it it felt like a rope it felt so tight just as it does when you massage you know, a tight muscle on your back or your neck, it feels really, you can feel that it's hard and ropey. Mm -hmm. And then you would um, do a release and you'd be like, wow, I can feel feel it, that rope, that hardness has gone, that rope feeling has gone. And now there's more room inside the vagina. So that's where that tightness comes from. If you imagine that it's tight, it's going to create a smaller space, which is then where the pain comes from. Uh, is what I meant to say, um, with sex because you've created a smaller space um, and that muscle is tight and it's sore. A, a tight muscle is often sore and creates pain. So when it's touched or pushed against, which is what uh, happens in penetration, it hurts. Mm. Um, and the other thing we haven't really touched on, but I know it was there in the questions, is how do you know if you're doing a pelvic floor exercises correctly Mm. Um, there's many different ways that you can tell yourself Um, so I always say to people don't be scared of your fingers Um, you know especially if you've had a baby chances are somebody else's fingers have been inside of you don't be scared of your own so you can actually place your fingers inside your vagina and I always say the easiest way to do this is in the shower it's a lot less messy but just bear in mind that your position affects how you connect to your pelvic floor so when you're standing you have gravity um, affecting the way you connect it's much easier to connect to your pelvic floor when you're laying down which is why right now five weeks postpartum I'm only doing laying down exercises um, because I don't want to put extra strain on my pelvic floor through gravity um, and those weight-bearing exercises. Um, So you can place your fingers inside your vagina and do a pelvic floor exercise and you should feel the vagina um, tighten around your fingers and then equally you should feel it release. You can do the same thing during sex. If you um, are having sex with a person with a penis and they feel 
that, they should be able to feel you contract and release. Um, if you're not comfortable with that, you can actually see it. So get a mirror, stick mm. it um, in front of your vulva. So the vulva is the whole area of the female anatomy. Um, and you should be able to see when you lift, the pelvic floor will, will make, if you lift your pelvic floor, you'll see your perineum and everything move towards your head. Um, and then as you release, you'll see it come down. You can actually just feel that too. So you can stick your hand on the outside of your labia and perineum and you can feel it come up and move down when you do a pelvic floor exercise. The other thing is you can get someone to assess you. So a physiotherapist specialised in that area, they'll do a couple of things. They will watch you do it. So they'll look, they'll get you to do things like cough and um, get you to cough and they'll see what's happening when you when you do cough and then they can do an internal exactly the same as I've explained to feel what's happening. The other thing that some um, physiotherapists will use is an ultrasound. And this is a really cool feedback way for you to actually see what's happening and how long you're holding for with your pelvic floor. So they'll bring your pelvic floor up via ultrasound onto the TV um, and you'll see your pelvic floor then and they'll get you to squeeze. What it doesn't assess for is tightness though. So you can't see tightness and you can't um, assess the release as well because you don't know where it's going, meant to be going back to. But it's a cool, really cool feedback um, for if you have it done and you can go, oh, that's the muscle. Oh, I'm squeezing that. Mm. So, yeah, there's lots of different ways to know if you're doing it properly. Um, so sorry to interrupt your questions there, but I knew that was on the list and that's often something that people ask about a lot too. No, that's really good and really interesting to know that you can look at it yourself and the mirror thing I find really interesting and I think it's really good to know what's going on down there anyway. So Yeah, and so many people are afraid of their own body parts, but you're not afraid of your arm or your leg. Don't be afraid of your vulva or your vagina. Like, yeah. um, and so if you're a person with a penis listening to this, um, you you can actually activate your pelvic floor and see it in the mirror. So you stand and you'll see the scrotum and penis lift up. So the scrotum will lift and the penis will shorten. And yes, men have pelvic floors and yes, they need to exercise them as well. So they don't suffer with the issues to the extent that we do, but like one in 10 males will be incontinent at some point in their life. So, and it's a, I get a lot of people who follow me, they get their dads onto my program and I have a men's program and that's slowly growing because of that, which is really, it's not, um, it's not cool that men have those issues too, but it's cool that they're doing something about it. Um, so we've talked a little bit about prolapse, but we had a question come through saying is running really bad for prolapse? so good for my mind but I'm scared I'm doing damage yeah and that's look that's with any exercise um you know that you love doing um and desperately want to get back into you love it because it is great for your mind but it not be might not be great for your for your body um there's no universal list of what you can and can't do sometimes um, people will say there is and it's really common on social media to see that people advertising you can't do this when you're pregnant you can do that um, there's no list that's general for everyone it's what you can do and so some people will be able to um, you know do a plank fine and be able to do it with core and pelvic floor activation it's what you can do safely so if you're um 
running and it doesn't feel right and if you feel that dragging or you're leaking urine then you shouldn't be doing that exercise yet so say if you have to um, put a pad on to exercise then you need to have a Ross and Rachel style breakup where you break up and get back together so it's mm-hmm. not forever it doesn't mean you can't run forever it doesn't mean you'll never run again it just means that you need to heal first strengthen those muscles and then get back into it because as I said before what will happen is you'll end up injuring yourself and your return to running will be a lot longer and take a lot more work than had you just put in that restoration work in the first place and healed slowly at the beginning so um whether it's bad for prolapse will depend on your style and your other technique but if you feel heavier afterwards um or your symptoms of your prolapse are worse then no you shouldn't be doing it mm-hmm. sorry so we've had come through apparently light bladder leakage is not normal as advertised with consumer products and if lbl is not normal why does it happen and how can we prevent it yeah it's not normal it's common but it's not normal and that's just a marketing um gimmick there and what we can do to prevent it is pelvic floor health so doing all our um correctly activating our pelvic floor and then avoiding things that increased risk to pelvic floor dysfunction like constipation so staying on top of constipation trying to prevent it and that's you know why pooing is such a big part of my program too learning how to poo squatting um so using a a stool to get into a um form of a squat to be able to pull poo so when we poo with our knees below our hips we're actually doing damage to the pelvic floor because the pelvic floor is not an ideal position we were designed to poo in a squat and so using a stool to poo is key to pelvic floor health Um, and then preventing things like being overweight or obese or if you are losing weight to prevent that and you may not have issues now but it's you're at an increased risk of experiencing them the older you get because the longer that pelvic floor has carried that excess weight um and then things like trying to decrease your risk of having a forceps birth or an episiotomy during labor and birth so a thing that can increase may increase that is um having an epidural because you can't always feel to push so that increases your risk of forceps or um vacuum the research now isn't saying that so much anymore um in practice i've certainly seen it over and over again but epidurals are getting better and better and women are being uh, are now having the opportunity to feel to be able to push so they're getting more sensation with them which i think is decreasing the risk but um you know doing your pelvic floor exercises does decrease pushing time as well which um increases your risk of incontinence later so yeah pelvic floor health Mm. keep doing those exercises should we all be getting little stools then to have by our toilet for when we need to poo is that going to be beneficial essential for everyone we should be pooing without it i never ever poo without one so um, when I'm out in public, I get the pad bin and I turn it on its oh. side to poo. Um, or if I'm at your house and you don't have a bin, I will find excess toilet paper to put my feet up on. Yeah. Um, I can't poo without it and I won't poo without it because it puts way too much strain on my pelvic floor. I actually got a message yesterday from someone on my Instagram because I'd put a story up saying, don't forget if you're out in public, you can turn the pad bin on the side. And they were like, um, my husband and I have just been away and we've realised we now need to take our stool everywhere. It's been a constipated couple of days. So, yeah, there's a really cool YouTube video. Um, it's actually, I, I put a link in it 
in my program um, called the Squatty Potty, and it's a unicorn doing a poo. But it's it's hilarious. It's an ad for the Squatty Potty, but it um, it explains why we need to all be pooing with stools. So women, men, children, and kids. We see it all the time when children are toilet trained. They go from pooing really well and then they all of a sudden become constipated. And I think a lot of it is to do with the fact that their poop posture has changed. So most kids will poo in a squat when they're wearing a nappy and then we stick them on a toilet. And it's really scary for kids to poo on a toilet because it's a big bowl and the poo isn't no longer just sits on their bum cheeks. It drops out of them. It splashes. Um, and then their feet are hanging down. So my son has a, a step that he puts his feet on um and yeah good pelvic floor health starts from childhood so get onto it if you, mm, when you're I'm sure your so many of us have been pooing wrong all this time so that's really helpful. yeah we have we all started pooing right and the majority of the world still poos in a squat but in western world the western world if there was one thing i could do it would be get to change our toilets mm-hmm. because yeah they do a lot a lot of damage to our pelvic floor more than we realize and so the final question that we have is vomiting and urination at the same time does that indicate a weak pelvic floor yes so um coughing is the um puts the most strain on the pelvic floor but vomiting is is pretty um puts a lot of strain on the pelvic floor too so if you are wetting yourself when you are vomiting it's because the pelvic floor hasn't got enough strength to withstand um withstand the pressure of the vomit well um is there anything else that you would like to cover today that we haven't gone over that we could have i could have missed i can't even remember what we've covered <laughs> <laughs> okay well, we'll say we've covered everything My baby brain. <laughs> I, I feel really happy with everything we've gone over I feel like it's really helpful it's really helpful for me I feel like I've learned so much number one go and get a stool to poo with <laughs> number two keep going with the program <laughs> yes I am excited I really hope that I have enough time to get through the program because do you have programs that go um for postpartum as well Yep, so it's core and floor pregnancy. Then there's core and floor restore, which is for postpartum or preconception. Um, and then there's core and floor strengthen, which is for ideally once you've finished restore and you're not pregnant to keep going. And that's where we get back into planks and stuff like that. Um, and then there's core and floor men. And that's pretty much exactly the same as restore, but it's just got male anatomy and male explanations in it. So it's better suited to people with male anatomy. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, B. It's been such a pleasure having you on and going over everything. I've learned so much, like I've said. And yeah, so where can everyone find you as well on Instagram and on Facebook and how can people follow you? Yeah, so Instagram and Facebook, um, Core and Floor Restore and then coreandfloorrestore.com.au is my website. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Amy. And um, have an epic birth. Thank you. Okay. (laughs) What did we all think of that one? Um, Personally, at the start of that one, I just cringe and I even questioned whether or not I should repost it. But putting my own weirdness aside, I really enjoyed that chat. And yeah, B is just so epic and such a wealth of knowledge. So if you don't already follow her, make sure you jump over and follow her on Instagram. She shares such great content. Um, Yeah. And as she said at the end that she hopes to have an epic birth, I definitely did have an epic birth, a very crazy birth. If you haven't yet listened to my first episode, um, yeah, go back and have a listen. Um, Yeah. And if you 
you enjoyed this chat, let me know. Um, leave a review if you've got the Apple Podcast app. Um, or yeah, send me a message over on Instagram. I am at the Post Party Project. Uh, yeah, anyway, thanks for listening.